This podcast is produced by The Brand is Female. Tanse, hello, and welcome back to the Matriarch Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Shayla Olette Stonechild, and I'm very excited and honored to have this conversation with Jessica Madden here with me today. She is an actress, a producer, and an all-around badass. She is Red River Métis Cree descent from Edmonton, Alberta, and you may have seen her in a few shows such as ABTN's Tribal, also Discovery Canada and Netflix's TV show Frontier, starring Jason Momoa, and also the CW Network and CBC drama called The Burden of Truth. Not only is she an actress, she's also a producer, and she runs an indigenous wellness and fitness company with her family called Lemon Cree, where they have helped thousands of indigenous people achieve their fitness, wellness, and health goals. You will find out in this episode that me and Jessica have a lot of parallels when it comes to our lives. And it turns out that our moms actually used to work together. They were friends uh, back in the 90s. They had like a modeling company together. And it's it's so interesting and bittersweet to see uh, Jessica's journey and really her dedication to expanding her physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health on a global scale. And so I hope you're inspired just as much as I was by her story and her journey. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hi, hi, have a blessed day, y'all. I'm very excited and honored to have Jessica here with me today. Jessica, thank you so much for joining. I feel like I'm so surprised our paths haven't crossed in person yet because I've known your work for almost a decade now. And so I'm glad that we're we're both meeting each other virtually uh, here today. Yeah, I, I, I'm shocked too because we have so many mutual friends in common and Indian country small, but you know what? We're here and I'm happy to be doing this with you. So thank you so much. Yeah, and if you just want to introduce yourself to the audience, uh, where you're from, a little bit about what you do today. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, I, I'm Jessica Matten. Um, I'm an actress and a producer, and I also have been running a nonprofit called Lemon Cree with my mother for going on 11 to 12 years now. Um, we teach in the most isolated native reserves across Canada. And yeah, I'm originally, I was born in Edmonton, uh, raised on tons of different reserves, but I wasn't born actually in a reserve. So I have quite a very interesting history with that. Uh, but my family is Red River Métis and Sotu Cree uh, from Winnipeg. And we have family in Peguis First Nation out there as well. The more you talk and share your story, the more I'm like, oh my gosh, we have so many parallels. It's kind of like interesting <laughs> really? and, and kind of creepy at the same time because I'm Red River Métis and I'm Plains yeah, and no I grew way. up in Medicine Hat, Alberta. I didn't grow up on the res. And I've also oh been running God. a nonprofit with my mom since I was 16. So what? I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> I'm like, what is your horoscope sign? When were you born? <laughs> <laughs> November. It's coming up, actually. Scorpio. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. Tell me you're a Scorpio, both- too. <laughs> no, we're pi- I'm a Pisces. <laughs> we're both okay so. okay oh my wow. god I, wow I, well hello yeah. twin <laughs> <laughs> i'm like that oh wow you learned something new that's so funny i get along great with uh scorpios so i'm glad to see another red river Métis cree scorpio in the house that, um, hey that's amazing <laughs> i'm you know what it's it's cool hearing that we have such parallel stories because if anything it, it's um i don't know about you but growing up 
I think there's always been uh, questions about a sense of belonging. And even mm. though I always felt that, sometimes I know with other communities, there was there was always a feeling of where do I fit in? Because I, I moved around mm-hmm. quite a bit. So it's just really nice to hear that, you know, I'm realizing more and more as time goes on, like um, the, the good thing is, is that in some ways we're not unique in, you know, mm-hmm. the way we're raised. Yeah. So that's, it's so cool. So I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. I feel like it gives you to like a different lens. Like I know, I know that feeling of like, obviously being the only native person in the room, but I also know that feeling of like longing for home. Like I've always, now that I know that I'm from like Saskatchewan, like my reserve is there, it almost feels like more nourishing to my soul than like Alberta was. And so, yeah, it's weird to like, feel like almost displaced within your own like where you grew up but also at the same time that's your home it's like a weird I don't know if there's a word it's like (laughs) two things that don't go together but it's cool to know that um you have a maybe a similar or completely different upbringing I'm curious to know like did you grow up in Edmonton you said that you moved around a lot I'm curious to know more about your childhood and how that looked yeah I actually lived in about 26 different homes uh before the age of 21 so um, I moved around quite a bit. Um, so all of Canada really feels um, like home to me. Mm. Uh, there's not one place. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, it's, it's not that I had, you know, I, I think about friends that I have who've had way more traumatic upbringings than I did. In a lot of ways, I feel, you know, despite the odds and despite the obstacles, I still um, I was given opportunities that I'm hyper aware that, um, you know, my other family members and my other friends perhaps weren't given. Um, and, and mm. that being that my, my mother, she started the first first nations modeling agency back in the late eighties, early nineties called mystique models. And at the time it wasn't so much about women being beautiful and skinny and learning to walk the catwalk, but it was actually acting as also a shelter for women experiencing domestic abuse. And so Mm. as a child, I literally was raised around aunties coming in, um, you know, and I, it was, it wasn't anything new to see, you know, women who had like bruises on their body or face, but, Mm. um, you know, taking these modeling courses, it was very fascinating. Like the more I'm, I think about it, like as an adult and I reflect back, um, but because that's all I knew growing up, I ended up as a teenager kind of taking on what my mother was doing. And I would steal a bunch of magazines from 7-Eleven, you know, the, the gas station <laughs> grocery store. And I would make yeah. these, um, uh, uh, vision boards out of, you know, $1 poster boards. And I would gather girls my age around. And this was before the whole manifestation thing before that was a thing, but I just knew that it mm-hmm. felt good to bring girls my age together. And, you know, I knew what they were going through at home. And um, I just, even at like 14, 15 years old, I wanted to uplift the girls in my life. And because I knew at the time Mm. I needed that as well. And again, going back to it, it's all I knew um, growing up with my mom and seeing. And so it's something I I carry on in my life to this day. And it's it's very important for me to, uh, whenever I have an opportunity or chance, um, I'm constantly trying to uplift other women in my life because I've Mm. relied so heavily in my life uh, for women to uplift me too. 
So, you know, it's, um, yeah, I just, I just really value women standing up for one another. And, um, I've, I've been very fortunate where I've never had kind of like, uh, I've never dealt with that kind of mean girl thing ever in my life. And I, and I think you, you know, you are what you attract if if that's a saying, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, which is, you know, I've always wanted to make sure that I was supportive of what people were going through. So people were always supportive back. And um, yeah, so Mm. that's, I don't, I'm kind of rambling here, but that's. No, I, I could honestly listen because like it's we already have come to the conclusion that we have so many parallels. But my mom actually had a performing arts company when I was growing up. And so I, too, witnessed her uh, helping out the community, helping out indigenous youth. And, you know, my mom um, was a single parent, but also she my dad, she had a relationship with my father. And so I kind of grew up with the same kind of perspective of, you know, I can, I see the power that happens when we come together, especially as indigenous people and we come together and we create magic or we create, uh, you know, healing through movement or through dance or through our voices. And so I was also like very attuned because of my mom. And so I followed too in her footsteps. And so (laughs) it's, it's, it's so inspiring to know that literally matriarchs and women and our mothers and our grandmothers are we're literally paving the way for us and so I'm curious to know you know the word matriarchy when you think of it what does the word matriarchy mean to you and are there matriarchs that you're currently inspired by I love that because you're making me think about the term because to be honest Mm. I've never really applied the term to my life um I find it's always just been a way of being. Um, And so to be honest, I've never really investigated what that term would look like on paper for my life. But all I could say is that I know I've, I've been living it. That's for sure. And that is, Mm -hmm. um, I think, I think it's just a matter of, you know, we were given these, these uh, female bodies and, um, I've, I've never, it's weird. I've never really seen myself as, you know, I'm a woman, therefore I have to accomplish and do this and that and that, and I have to behave a certain way. I've kind of always been so highly aware of what it means to be a woman in society that I've kind of always went the other way, if that makes sense of, I'm not going to fit into this stereotype of, um, you know, the things I have to do. And I know on paper, it may seem so, you know, I ended up in an industry of, uh, well, entertainment where looks and all that stuff could sometimes be, there could be quite the emphasis placed on that. But um, my personal life and the work I do uh, outside of acting, it's, and even in acting, it's always been very much about uh, just being a person, a woman who supports others and it doesn't matter what gender. um, And, um, just when people ask for help or sometimes even when they don't, but I know they need it um, to be the first one to stand in front of the line and offer that support. Um, mm. Yeah. To be honest uh, with labels, I've always, I think cause I was raised in a generation where I was, I was raised to just accept everyone as equals. It didn't matter, you mm-hmm. know, what their sexual orientation, uh, their culture, their background. I've just been exposed to so much as a child at such a young age that um, I've just, I've, I really view everyone as equal. And, and I, I tend to see just spirit, which is, um, I think. A yeah, good yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I love that you put like, it's not necessarily like a definition or, you know, a word, but it's really comes through a sense of embodiment and, you know, um, acting and helping others. Um, And I also love that you brought up, you know, even this binary way of thinking of like, what does it even mean to be a woman now today? Like, what does like that term is so confined, I believe, historically and even presently. And I love that you also bring up the entertainment industry, because for me, that was really a big pull as to why I kind of shifted into the health and wellness world was because I felt, you know, very, you know, obviously judged on my physical appearance, obviously judged on my acting. You're just constantly being, you know, put through a microscope. And so I'm curious to know how has your acting journey been and what keeps you rooted to your own authenticity and to your own power? Ooh, these are good questions, Shayla. Um, um, I I think because I've been able to uh, keep very keep keep a very grounded sense of self in the film industry um, because I decided when I got into it to actually not place emphasis on the stereotypical things that, um, in particular, as women, that we should. And um, I, I was uh, put into martial arts competitively at a very young age. And so sports had always been a part of my life. And um, I realized, okay, in, in the film industry, that actually really came in handy. Um, you know, and people people always ask my sexual orientation too. And mm. I actually find it a compliment, you know, <laughs> because, because of a certain way that I act or how they perceive me to be. Um, you know, men and women or whatnot, you know, always are, for some reason, they're curious and they're trying to put me in a box too. And um, I just, I like to stay out of all of it, if that Mm, makes sense. I like to stay at the, and and I think part of my, how my brain works is very out of the box anyways. Mm. Um, So what your question was, I guess, just like, how do I stay grounded in the industry, remain rooted. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I, I I think the key in any industry is, um, to know what your purpose is. Mm. And if you don't have a sense of purpose, that's okay too. But my purpose comes from a place of wanting to help others. And, um, that doesn't necessarily mean, um, with end results of like, say, me winning an, an acting award or anything like that. No, it's actually quite the reverse. It's um, it's the work that happens behind the scenes. I'll give you an example right now. I'm uh, producing and uh, directing a film and I'm making sure that I brought on a team of um, indigenous women crew members from all walks of life, Hispanic, native. I actually hired on the first and the only IOTSE union, uh, unionized makeup artist who is native oh, wow. in all of the United States, you know, so there's, there's a lot of, um, ways that I like to uplift other people in this industry. And that gives me a sense of purpose because mm. if I'm helping to facilitate someone else's dreams, I mean, there's nothing else. And I, and I swear hands down, there's nothing else better on this planet than being able to help someone else facilitate their dreams. And um, I use the acting industry as such. I know that it's a, it's a pathway for um, people to know that I exist, to, to hear what I have to say and to, help me gather the resources and the tools and the connections that I need to be able to continue to help the people in our community. Mm, that's great. Cause uh, yeah, I feel like as you evolve, like as a, 
person. Like, I feel like that's kind of my end goal too. It's like, yes, you know, individual success and individual, you know, using your voice on a individual scope is so important, but really if you can share, you know, that table or that spot with others, I feel like that, that's like the, that's the dream. That's the end goal for me as well. Um, and I'm curious to know like how you got to, cause I know all actors have their like protocols and their like rituals and their routines to really get them into a character. And so I'm curious to know a little bit about, you know, what happens to you when you're getting prepped for a new role? What do you have to go through to get to that, uh, that level of consciousness for that character? Uh, for me, it's, um, it's to prep for a role is definitely a combination of mind, body, spirit. So even when I'm not working and I don't know where my next job is coming from, I'm constantly uh, working on that mind, body, spirit uh, connection. So I always, I always say like I, I train physically at the gym as though I'm preparing for that next role. Mm. Um, so when the time comes, I'm already ready to go. You know, I'm I'm a ready product. And um, you know, as much as it is physical, um, the gym for me really is. Um, you know, that's my outlet. That's what keeps me even keel. And that's what also provides me the clarity and focus and the mental discipline that I need when I need to be memorizing tons of pages. And, um, you know, the last TV show I did, Tribal, I was memorizing 18 pages a day, um, which is unheard of. Um, Mm -hmm. To put in perspective for those that don't know, uh, a maximum amount of pages that you would be filming in a day is six. So I literally was doing more than double. I was doing triple. Um, which meant I was getting four hours of sleep a night. And Mm. I had within those four hours to memorize 18 pages for the next day. Uh, Yeah. And this (laughs) is because they were on quite a tight budget. And I did that for four months straight. So in order to prepare for that, um, you know, we were going to the second season. And I remember it being like that in the first season. So I had a whole year, you know, and it was interesting during the pandemic, you know, I think we all went through the lulls and the ups and downs, but I had to find that inner strength to pull it together mm. and really discipline my my body in a new way because I knew if I disciplined my body, my mind was going to follow through right. all the hard times ahead. So, so yeah. So, so I would say it's more so that, and in terms of like the character itself, um, I rely heavily on intuition, to be honest. Um, uh, if, if a script is well-written, you, you will feel the character. You will understand what the writer is trying to achieve. You will get the essence and the spirit of that character. And um, it really helps to uh, observe other human beings, you know, to travel, to, uh, to experience other cultures, because you'll find all these wonderful nuances that people possess in different parts of the world if you're really paying attention. And so I, I take little parts of that from, from people I've met over the years, and um, I just apply it. So that's that's my process overall. And then there really is no magic. I just get, I get down and dirty and study for hours on end. There's nothing glamorous about it whatsoever. <laughs> well, yeah, there's like a lot that happens behind the scenes that's obviously not shown on camera. But I imagine like even your experience through childhood and moving around a lot and witnessing like people then, even as a kid, I mean, you're exposed to so many different kind of nuances, which is cool to see that now you can even use that um, in your work today. And speaking of your work today, I know that you've acted in Tribal, you've acted in with uh, one of my favorites, uh, Jason Momoa. I know that (laughs) people are probably waiting for him to be brought up. Um, The Burden of Truth, you've also acted in Frontier. And so I'm curious to know, like, for you personally, what are some 
maybe some of the highlights and one of the challenges um, throughout your journey this far? Definitely the highlights are always the friendships I make along the way, um, whether that's with the crew or the cast. Uh, yes, Momoa, you know, he's a he's a brother for life now. And um, it's very interesting. Um, when we were filming Frontier, I was watching him and how he was uh, filming his other projects at the same time. And I'm, I'm actually taking a lot of note of that. And it, it's funny how he always says I'm his little sister, like the little brat version of him. And <laughs> I realized that I'm beginning to apply all the things that I observed him mm. do. And um, I'm, I'm so, I feel very fortunate that I was able to watch someone who's, who's gotten to where he is today. And like, I've literally observed and witnessed that journey and what that's like. And, um, you know, it, it just kind of expanded, um, even like my own limitations that I perhaps maybe placed in my head on myself. And I'm like, and then, you know, and I have him to be, he just, you know, the last time we saw each other, I think it was in the spring and he's like, we'll just do it. I was like, but, but, but what do you mean? He's like, just do it. Like no excuse, you know? And so, and I like, I like friends like that who remind me because I remind my friends all the time too. Um, just do it. Just try it out. Like what's yeah. the worst that can happen? Someone says no, or someone doesn't respond at all. You got to learn to never take these things personally. And, um, just understand that, you know, we, we communicate and we perceive information and we take in information um, very differently. Um, so you can never take anything personal. So the best thing you could do for yourself is be your biggest cheerleader and mm. just try it. Say mm -hmm. yes. Stop Stop picking up the phone and going to your friends and, <sighs> and being like, oh, I want to do this, but I can't for blah, 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 number of reasons. Yes, you can. Now you're just making excuses, yeah, right? And you're yeah. wasting your friend's time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I, I, so I always think, you know, um, that's something that I'm are, are always making sure I do. So I would say that has been like the biggest bonus out of um, everything I filmed. Um, for the hard times, you know, it's, it's not a glamorous job like people think. Uh, we mm -hmm. work long hours, work 12 to 14 hour days. You go home and you're studying. Um, mm. You don't really have time to live this this rock star life when you're working. You have to be extremely disciplined and diligent if you want to do a good job. Mm. And I always feel responsible to not just myself, but to the entire cast, the crew, and of course, the people that hired me, right? <laughs> to be like, okay, I got to prove to them why they hired the right person. And um, and I take my work very seriously and I, I love what I do, but you know, even physically, I do uh, most of my own stunts on every single show. And I've ended up in the emergency quite a few times. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. So, you know, I, I have yet to come off of a show where I haven't had bruises and scratches on my leg. I think Burden of Truth actually was the only show, you know, because it was it was more of like a court procedural where uh, I didn't come out banged up. Um, but but yeah, I, I feel I feel honestly the hardest challenge too, to be quite frank, is um, in your personal life. Mm. I have been living out of my suitcase for six years. Um, mm. and, um, I think it's a, a part of the job that, uh, people don't talk a lot about. Um, there's a big sacrifice, you know, um, you, your, your dating life, how, <laughs> how do you make that work all the time with a partner when you're literally living in another country or city for six months out of the year? Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of people who are down for that, you know? Um, I've missed funerals, I've missed weddings, I've missed birthdays of the people I love the most in my life because of this career. So um, 
I, I always want to remind people of that too. It's um, I know what it looks like on the outside. You walk the red carpet for five minutes, you know, nice dress. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, that, that is five minutes of the grand scheme of things. And, um, uh, I think with any career choice, with anything you do in life, you can make anything happen, but, um, there's going to be sacrifices. That is the yin and yang of life in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like outweighing, um, do the pros like outweigh the cons. And so constantly looking for that balance. And I love that, you know, at the beginning of this, when you were talking about your success and your highlights, you said that you didn't even know what was possible outside of your own limited perception. And I think that of that often, because as indigenous people, you know, we grew up in a city, but if you were living on a reserve, you don't even know the realities that exist outside of that reserve. So how can you dream big if you haven't even like existed in another like reality that is out there, you know? And so I think of that often is like, we don't even know what's possible because we've never really seen it. And so now I feel like for once I'm really, you know, I feel like there's a change happening within consciousness, especially within Canada right now of people waking up to the realities that indigenous people have always known. And it's, you know, the history that Canada and the world has been built upon. And so I'm hoping to see like a shift happen, not only with indigenous people and, and our own worldviews and how we can shift from a state of survival into a state of creation, but also like how can Canadians and non-indigenous people support our evolution and our own, like getting out of our own, um, limitations that were brought on by, you know, the federal institution and by the whole history here in Canada. So those are, those are thoughts that I also think of often. And I'm curious to know, like, would you have any advice for, you know, maybe in the acting industry or even just in general for non-Indigenous people supporting our rise um, as Indigenous people and artists and actors? You touched on so many points and I'm like, are we the same person? <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> um, I, I just wanted to say um, one thing um, that I've I've been doing before the entire movement within the communities is um, getting our people well. And like you said, how if people have never left a reserve, how do they know what else is out there? And it's it's interesting because that's one thing I always say when non-native people come up to me at a bar or somewhere down the street in Canada and they go, well, if the reserve is so bad, why don't they just leave? And I always say, how do you know it's better if you never experienced better before and what that looks like? Mm-hmm. And I said, just think about mm-hmm. that rationally. And yet they still don't get it because I, I almost feel like it, it should become a mandate that every Canadian spends time on a reserve. And mm-hmm. I mean some of the most isolated ones too, so that they really have an understanding of how limited resources are, why there's 10 people living to one one trailer, uh, a two-bedroom trailer mm-hmm. up there, because the prices of even getting lumber up to these communities is ridiculous. I went up to communities where I saw a bell pepper for $19, $19 yeah. for one bell pepper. I've seen mm. an apple for 25 bucks, you know, and th- this is in Canada. So, you know, you know, I bless people that want to donate to Africa and all that stuff. But I always said and I ha- and I always will is you don't have to go to other continents to help people when we have third world conditions in our country and have always. You know, mm-hmm. I was part of a program of actually buying back water filtration buckets from Africa mm. so that we could get them back in North America so that our native communities have clean drinking water. 
it's insane. Mm -hmm. It's insane that I even have to mm -hmm. source that stuff, you know? So, so, so that's one part. And I get like you very passionate about it. Um, but going on with, you know, the truth and reconciliation, um, happening within Canada, I, it's interesting because I feel with, um, the awareness happening with the residential schools finally coming to light, people are starting to really, really take it seriously this time. You know, when the, when the TRC Act came out a few years ago, it kind of felt like it had fallen to the wayside. And it's sad and also needed that it took the unraveling of all these gravestones for people to really, um, you know, act on the TRC Act now, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, I, I notice a difference. Um, I'm part of the generation because my mom was one of the first people to start the initial inquiries into missing and murdered Indigenous women with um, attorney Bev Jacobs, a uh, Mohawk lawyer, about 20 years ago now. I've actually been privy to quite a bit of knowledge that most people haven't. And so it's been 20 years of my knowing. And I remember when I had access to this information and I was reaching out to people, um, people didn't really care. So sometimes it's hard and, you know, and um, my family member was murdered by a serial killer. Mm -hmm. um, and so I am a family member of one of the victims mm -hmm. of MMIW as well. And my cousins are still, you know, to this day looking and seeking justice. Um, so, you know, it hits home. It really oh, hits really? home. And um, it, there's a part of me that when this all came out, I, I was like, is it? Is it sincere? Do people actually care this time around? Um, um, or is it just the next trendy hashtag? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, um, and 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 I'm just being brutally honest. Um, so I, I have mixed feelings about it. I'm super grateful. Um, but to you know, with all that being said, you were asking how how can we hear this quite often now? How mm -hmm. can non-indigenous and indigenous, you know, how, how can we all gather together to um, support one another, to mm -hmm. be allies? And I wish I, you know, I could say the cliche things, you yeah. know, read books, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you know, um, do your homework, you know, yeah. um, Google it. But the reality is, is I'm not responsible to fully get an individual interested in caring about their neighbors. And I think that's something that's, and, and I, you know, and I, in other interviews, I've taken a very, you know, cliche, more positive spin on it. Mm -hmm. But if I'm being, if I'm being very, very sincere, Shayla, I don't know. Yeah. Because I could say these things, other people could say these things, but is it just also becoming, a cliche in itself to say, um, you know, let's let's um, let's just support one another. Let's be part of the awareness. But so, what does change actually look like? And I think about okay, so twenty years ago, when I knew all this stuff was, was happening, what was I doing with my life? Mm. I decided I was going to continue to break the cycles within my own family. I wasn't. I was, you know, I was mm -hmm. going to stay away from alcohol. I wasn't going to sell drugs. I, you know, even if sometimes I really needed money and I saw my cousins making a lot of good money, you know, doing it, I would think about, okay, what is the short-term sacrifice I have to make here to 
to be good to for for my heart to be happier to be more proud of myself at the end of the day um how, how do i help my community become more proud of their neighbors as well you know of their culture and i realize it really begins with the individual mm-hmm. so um you know i'm so passionate about this topic i could go on and on and <laughs> on um but at the end of the day it's about you only have power to change yourself and to be a part of that change and uh, i'll just leave it at that <laughs> yeah no I, I i often hate asking those questions too because i i know how it feels to have to you know constantly be ask them and it is kind of like it's it gets very repetitive sometimes you say the same things you're like you know it is important though it it is important and at the same time it is kind of like this has been going on for so long it's kind of like you get it you reach a level of exhaustion because it is it's about a relationship you know it's it's about creating that kinship and if it's only one side of if it's only on indigenous people's shoulders constantly then it's like you do hit a plateau of being like you know wiped out or drained and so i love that you bring it back to like how can i heal myself intergenerationally and how can i use my gifts to help the collective and i think that's kind of the shift that i honestly have to do on a day-to-day basis or else you just feel overwhelmed by like the state of the world and the state of like our nations here in Canada but I also have a lot of hope for the future and I think we see it online now and we see it in our communities there's so many indigenous people you know healing and rising and demanding that our voices be heard and uh, as much as it is like shocking to the system it's also like it's, it's a catalyst. I feel like right now we're in kind of in a catalyst, but there's also like, you have to go through the dismantling of what once was and the destruction of like these old paradigms and systems. And I know we talked about horoscopes before, but Mm -hmm. we're in the age of Aquarius, which is like the age of information. And so I think right now it's like all the information is coming up. And so hopefully people utilize this information and use that for the greater good. And I know I, we have listeners on here that are, a lot of them are indigenous women and indigenous youth. And so I'm curious to know, like, what would your advice be for the younger generation if they are feeling, you know, overwhelmed or lethargic or maybe uninspired, what would your advice to the younger generation be? I would say, you know, um, I'm, I'm given this, wonderful platform as an actor but the reality is is that it's just a title you know Mm -hmm. it's just a it's one of the many careers out there and so I just want to say to whoever's listening to this your role in society is just as equally as important you know just because you're not in the limelight of things so to speak um you know even even if you have 50 followers on social media um it to yourself most of all to be good to yourself to uh, you know one thing I love that you said is that every day you're working on yourself and every day I'm working on myself and I think that's key is um, doing doing the internal work the internal healing um, because you are part of the change when you decide to heal yourself mm-hmm. when you decide to love yourself and self-love is something that I've had to work very hard on in um, you know my my twenties in particular, mm. um, and when you do that work, you really are able to have a different perspective and outlook in life, and it will make you stronger. It will it will when you're going when you're listening to all this political stuff happening in the world, and you feel flustered or overwhelmed or angry. When you do that work on yourself, it's going to change 
um, it's going to change your perspective on things in a very healthy way, meaning you're not going to hold grudges as much. You're not going to small things get to you. You're going to be able to see the because your mind is in a calmer place. You're, you're more grounded totally. and things that you see are affecting other people and they're getting riled up about it. It will be dust off of your shoulder. And I think that's key. So I go back to training the mind, body, and spirit. And this mm -hmm. is why I'm, I'm a big advocate of uh, working out and working on your fitness because you start working out, you're going to want to, you're going to be motivated to eat better, but you put into your body a hundred percent matters because it affects your, um, your mental state. And you got to remember food. We have allergies to food and food intolerances that turn out it. Like if you feel depressed or down after you put something in your body, that's actually you having an allergic reaction to it. So I, you know, I, and I think about this, you know, like I love chocolate and all that stuff, but yeah. little, little examples of what I do, I make sure I eat chocolate with like one gram of sugar in it and stuff like that. Right, and you will adjust. Right, right. It tastes like at first, but all of this goes back to your question of what can you, what can the youth do? What could the listeners do to um, stay strong through all this? And like I said, it's all connected. So if you could do those things for yourself on a daily basis, I think that's, that's the key. That's the key. Yeah. You know, we're all in the storm together. So uh, yeah. I think also like being gentle with yourself too is so important, especially during the pandemic. I know um, none of us were really prepared for like the last couple of years. Um, it's been quite a number on the <laughs> nervous system as well. But I mean, more reason to dive into those routines and those daily rituals. And I'm curious to know, what are you diving into uh, for the next of 2021? Um, in terms of fitness or just like uh, just, uh, things in, in general? Things in general. Or both. <laughs> what does the rest of your year look like? <laughs> yeah. Well, right now I'm in the middle of filming uh, the lead on a new TV show in uh, Santa Fe. It's um, being produced by George R. R. Martin and Robert Redford and uh, Chris Eyre called Dark Winds uh, with Zon McLaren and uh, Kyle Gordon. So um, I'm just in the middle of filming that. And at the same time, I'm um, producing uh, a film. And um, again, uplifting other indigenous people and the crew out here um, just by giving them opportunities to help them shine as well. Um, it's, it's very important to me that I help to facilitate other people's dreams. And um, so that's what I'm doing. And um, even with the COVID things, I'm, I'm going to schedule to work in some native reserves. Um, I hold safety workshops for young girls and women. Um, so it's about building their self-esteem also practical uh, movements that they could use. So if, for example, they were in a vulnerable position of potentially being raped, that they know how to break out of that. Mm. Um, yeah, so those are the, the, the what I'm doing for the rest of the year. I'm going to be uh, finishing this TV show and then post-editing the film and then hopefully take off back to my kind of like my haunt in um, Paris where awesome. I just like to write and um, kind of be with myself. Yeah. Sweet. You have a spot in Paris? Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm quite the loner. Like I travel the world <laughs> alone and then I always make these friends abroad. Yeah. Um, so I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I keep to myself, but yet um, I end up meeting and getting myself in trouble with a bunch of new friends. So that's what I'm looking <laughs> forward to. But mostly it's um, just uh focusing on all the, the stuff I want to produce next year too. So that's uh, definitely more of the direction I'm moving into is um, producing. So, Sweet. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I know, I know we're coming up at the end, but I'm curious to know how has that transition been from like going from acting to producing? Do you see yourself um, producing more in the long term? Or are you still going to do both uh, simultaneously? Uh, yeah, I see. I see that my heart is more fulfilled with producing. Um, mm. I came into the acting business later on in life, and I never thought I would be an actor. I mean, I worked in advertising in London, England, and land development in um, Hong Kong even for a bit. So um, life is pretty bizarre and interesting, but I find um, I work best and my heart is most fulfilled when I'm part of the uh, the the behind the scenes collaborative process. And I really mm. love the business aspect of it. Um, so yeah, I, I want to get in involved more with like directing. Um, I'm directing my first episode of a TV series next year. And um, I, I want to, I'm in talks to executive produce a TV show as well. And, you know, and I, and I'm not planning to act in that one. I don't want to. And, you know, <laughs> plus I'm tied to the show too. So I, I like to focus on, you know, the acting job at hand. Um, I also don't believe in being greedy and spreading yourself too thin. Um, mm -hmm. But these are pursuits that I do want to uh, continue to pursue for the long haul. So um, yeah, pr producing has been quite for me, a, a, it's the work is hard, but I love it. Um, and I find I've been fortunate to bounce from TV show to TV show as you know a series regular that I've 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 learned the ins and outs of um, what it takes to operate an entire production and on Tribal, I was a um, I was a producer on that too. So I literally um, was working behind the scenes as well as in front of the camera, and I just realized. Um, oh, I really like this. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of work, but I really like it. I got more gray hairs, but um, <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's like, like like I said, I I would love to be able to facilitate to give other actors opportunities to pursue their dreams in front of the camera, and I'm more than happy to you know uh, be a part of that for them. So yeah, yeah so that's the goal. That's awesome. I look forward to seeing, you know, all the things that you're acting in, but also your journey on being a producer, because that's something that I never even thought of. And then the more I hear about it, the more I'm like, this actually seems like a lot of hard work, but also like very like interesting and entertaining. And like, I don't know, you get to help other people out, which makes the work seem like a lot more uh, valuable in some different ways, I guess you could say. But I look forward to seeing your journey. And I'm curious to know, like, how can people follow your journey and support your journey uh, moving forward? Um, I'm actually only on one social media platform, Instagram. Um, I, I find the other ones, I, I feel like you know, I don't want to saturate, oversaturate yeah. anyone's world. So I just stick on there. And I Sweet. think that's more than enough for me. And um, yeah, I have a tribal season two airing on APTN um, October 21st. So that's coming up. And, um, you know, I'm really, uh, Brian and I, my co-star, we were very much a part of uh, the writer's room for that. Um, so we would actually have um, kind of like a writer's workshop before even filming a scene. Uh, with our director of cinematography. And um, so it was very fun to be for season two to be a very, very collaborative process mm -hmm. and for us to be able to uh, direct ourselves with um, Benny, our DP as well. Um, so we were very hands-on this season, uh, Brian and I, uh, with uh, stuff behind the scenes. And so, um, yeah, if people want to follow that show, that would be greatly appreciated. <laughs> 
<laughs> awesome. Well, I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, thank you so much, Jessica, for taking the time. I'm inspired by your journey. And I'm also like still uh, pretty surprised at how much similarities we have. Uh, so I look That's forward awesome. to continuing to follow you. And thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Shayla. And I'm, I'm really grateful and happy that we connected. So thank you so much. And uh, it's nice to speak to another sister today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I would love your feedback. Follow me on Instagram at Shayla0H at matriarch.movement. And don't forget to subscribe on the pod platform of your choice and review and rate where possible. I'll be back in a week. Hi, hi. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening to a podcast by The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling, and this episode was produced by our team. Sound engineering by Isabel Morris. Research and production support, Claire Miglionico. Marketing and digital growth, Kayla Gillis. And partnerships, Natalie Hope.